everyone, welcome to 99 Potions, Fanbyte's premier RPG podcast where we get together to talk about, you guessed it, all things RPGs. I'm Natalie Flores, featured contributor for Fanbyte.com. Today, and always, I have my wonderful RPG pals, managing editor Steven Strom. Hello. Hello, how are you today, Steve? <laughs> I'm good, Natalie. It's a good time to be here. I'm how, so happy and it's how nice and love potions. Wow, I, it makes me feel okay. good inside. Okay, I drink well. them and it makes my mana points mm. up and then I cast a fireball. So I am looking at the live. <laughs> looking at the live figure. It does look like we've dropped uh, 90% of our listenership. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. oh, no. Actually, that was a glitch. We've actually gained 8,000%. Never mind. Right. Oh, my God. It's over 99,000. Wow. Oh and <laughs> the groaning voice that you hear in the background, but who is certainly never in the background, he is always at the forefront of our hearts and our <laughs> ears as we listen to 99 Potions, editor at large, John Warren. How Hello. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay, fine, 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 fine. If y'all want it, here it is. Hello. Voice. Oh, oh yeah. there it is. There we go. It's back. Yeah, we could get some uh, listener feedback. Do you prefer the minion voice or John Warren's ulu voice? <laughs> I, we can... I, I can never run for office now is the problem. <laughs> mm, that's true. We can suddenly make accommodations, so uh, God, be sure to let us know which one you prefer. Who's going to be I the think. first president that's been caught on camera doing a ulu voice? I feel like we would have made for a better debate yesterday, and I didn't watch it. <laughs> we can't it. talk about the debate. That was the worst hour I've ever spent in my life. Anyway, I didn't watch it because I was smart and yeah, took care everyone, of my already dis- smart not to do destroyed that. mental health. Um, uh, how are my RPG pals? I'm very happy to to be with you all both. Yeah, it could be better. It could be worse, just yeah. like always. Um, yeah, that's about the state of 2020. I feel like it could be better. Could be worse. End of sentence. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) It could be better. It just keeps getting worse. Uh, But something that I look forward to every week is talking with my RPG pals here at 99 Potions. And this week, the last week of September, I know, (laughs) you're welcome. Um, (laughs) This week for September, uh, we are doing our September news quest. Uh, Our news quest sort of column series i wonder how you say it for like a podcast version recurring segment i think is the yeah, first. yeah recurring, recurring segment monthly app. Um, yeah yeah so every, every yeah so every last week of the month we get together to pick the most interesting piece of rpg news of the month to talk about it with each other and also the rest of you listening to us um and we think that's something that will both be informative about anything that you might have missed or that especially with like all the news that comes out every day yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's so hard to keep up with everything so we've got you covered with what we think are the most interesting uh pieces of rpg news of the month and also we'd like to think it's fun and you know like just a, a good time just because we're all talking about things that personally interest us and so these are things that we've all picked out individually and that we have a lot to say about so um you know i think that's uh it's like a good balance to have um i I think we always stick to topics that we're all interested in but sometimes you know some of us will take sort of 
the backseat to let others talk about things more just because they're smarter. <laughs> I know right. that y'all are <laughs> I know that y'all are smarter than me. Um, I don't know about like, that. I was like, what are you what yeah, what are you like why are you hedging yeah. bets like that? That's not true. You have a lot to say about these things. Yeah, but, yeah. I'm looking at the notes right here and your notes are about um five hundred percent more detailed than <laughs> yeah, anything else de- we've ever detailed. wrote in they're, these notes. I have I have I have a tweet in my section I have a tweet that you put there and then uh which is good which is most of what i need to know and then i've got two <laughs> half notes that just remind me what to say which i will forget and then i'm gonna have to look them up again so you're, I, just, right. I, I just want to be thorough to inform our viewers and also make sure that i that uh we cover what we need to cover in the full depth yeah and yeah. yeah so uh, I don't know if I should start first or who wants to start first or we do we do a coin toss who wants to a three-sided coin toss a three-sided yeah. coin toss I don't really have a preference I mean I think we have I think two kind of big stories because because you know something happened yesterday but also some stuff has happened in the past week so I don't know <laughs> everything um, is happening so much as it turns out so much. so much but I guess because I want to ask a specific question because I am I, everyone's been joking about losing track of time. You remember at the very beginning of quarantine, a lot of articles came out about like, you know, the time you got to look out for is after the three month part or like point of doing this yeah. because then you start to really, you know, feel, feel the, the, the weight of it. And I was kind of like, not me. I won't do that. I won't feel that. And now I'm, it's what, six months later. Six and I'm like, months. I literally couldn't tell you when final Fantasy fantasy 16 was announced was that a week week ago or was that two weeks ago that that was announced (laughs) that's a really good question because i don't even know okay because i i was like i think it was two weeks was it two weeks ago? Okay, it says the trailer says September 16th. So that was approximately okay, so that was two weeks ago. Okay. 14 yeah, days. Yeah. So okay. The only reason I had any inkling of that is because I've been catching up on an old podcast, like on another video game podcast that I was like six dozen episodes behind on. Right. And that was two episodes of that podcast ago. This is when they talked okay. about that. As we had heard on last week to talk about Monster Hunter, because there was a lot of Monster Hunter stuff that came out. So we wanted to hit that. But yeah, totally. Okay. Final Fantasy 16, that was the thing that we had discussed a rumor about on Wednesday. And then, like, you know, I I think even by the time this episode came out, it had already been announced with a bunch of stuff that we said was just, like, flat out wrong. Um, <laughs> but, very uh, true. <laughs> but, uh, but Natalie, like, why don't you? Yeah, I'm, I'm really I think we should start with that because it's yeah. kind of fun and interesting. The thing I want to talk about is less fun. So let's I don't know. Let's start with something fun. All right, so my pick for September's news quest is not really much of a shocker. It is Final Fantasy XVI, uh, since we didn't get to discuss it earlier, uh, as we mentioned before, and I wanted to save it for this podcast. Um, so yeah, I first of all, I want to start off with everyone's thoughts and opinions on the trailer, because I know that we did a stream where yeah. y'all watched the conference, but... Um, I just wanted to know your thoughts since then, your opinions as you watch the trailer. I know that, like, as someone who doesn't express outwardly all the excitement, like, if you, while watching that trailer, if someone, if there was, like, a hole in the wall and someone was looking at me and my reaction, they would just see my eyes, like, getting slightly bigger than normal <laughs> and, like, 
tears like like a tear or two streaming down my face but that was it but the excitement that i was feeling on the inside was like <laughs> so i know what it's like to have a different sort of reaction on the outside than internally so i'm i'm curious i want to hear what y'all thought about the trailer and what we know so far it's uh, I'm I'm pulling it up right now to rewatch it, um, and I'm just remembering my initial reaction at the time was like, boy, it sure looks like they made a Witcher game here, huh? Like that made like <laughs> Square Enix was like, what's yes. a popular RPG from the past ten years that we could uh, go off of? And it's like, yeah, this character in a swamp, uh, yeah. in a big foggy area, fighting a Malboro, um, and yeah. it's just it looks very Witcher like. Although my understanding is the combat actually comes, I forget the name of the person, Natalie. Maybe you have it, but yes, are, I have it. Uh, Ryota Suzuki was hired as the battle director for a new AAA title under the third business development division that happened earlier this year. And we know that this division is now the one working on Final Fantasy 16. So he uh, was uh, he designed sort of the battle system for Devil May Cry um, and so. Dragon's Dogma, too, yeah. is another is another good touchstone for that stuff. And both of those games are games with really, really good 3D combat, which gives right. me a lot. Yeah. Jordo in all caps in the chat just says interesting. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, uh, that that really kind of like, oh, makes me think of along the lines of like a Nier Automata, which is a game that I don't think the gameplay is always the strongest part of that game. But it's certainly better than a lot of other previous Yoko Taro experiences were because they brought platinum in on that and i love this idea of sort of what's the word collaborating with like um external developers or from people who have like an interesting background in those ways to come shore up those interesting parts because systemically i think final fantasy has had some really interesting ideas in in the combat front and especially in final fantasy 7 remake and final fantasy 15 but the execution was never quite there but uh Devil May Cry in particular is a game where execution is the thing. Like that game is incredible. Like Devil May Cry 5 came out, um, I believe last year. And that game was a really good watershed moment for me of like, oh, character action games. They don't really make a ton of them anymore. They used to be all over the place in like the PS2 era. But (laughs) boy, these are still good, huh? Like a good one of these is still really fucking good. And the idea of that being applied to um, a Final Fantasy larger scale kind of like maybe more open world ish Witcher like experience is actually super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Well, I I agree with the Witcher um, observation Mm -hmm. all the way down to the fact that it does look like a five year old game uh, (laughs) to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it, it's really interesting to me, and, and I and I actually think this is to its. Um, I actually felt uh, better about the game than it looked. Kind of like that it wasn't. Square has done a bunch of like uh, tech demos for the past yeah. few like hardware generations, mm-hmm. and tried to make everything look as incredibly lifelike and kind of almost like a glossy realism as possible in those tech demos. And my, and and I think final fantasy 15 achieved kind of the same overall kind of aesthetic of like, everything is just very kind of glossy looking, even like the desert roads and the car. It's just kind of has this very polished look to it. And I actually felt like, this trailer did not have that, which right. made, which made, which endeared it to me more um, yeah. because it did not immediately strike me as a final fantasy game, except for the fact that it 
had the body proportions and kind of the facial recognition of Final Fantasy fourteen to me. Sure. And um, I mean, oh, yeah, well, go ahead. So, go ahead. Oh, um, I was just going to say it's, it's kind of the to me, as you say that, and as I watch this, it's kind of the Star Wars thing, right? Of like mm-hmm. Final Fantasy, like early Star Wars um, original trilogy and maybe to more of an extent, the, the new stuff, too, where it's like it looks cool by virtue of being like more lived in, having a more lived in quality to it instead uh-huh. of everything looking like it would just came off an assembly line five minutes ago. Final Fantasy right. 15 really has that problem. Yeah. Whereas this game, it looks like, yeah, it, it looks like, Oh, this, there's this guy wearing armor in this, in this shot. And it's just like, there's scuffs and, you know, uh, right. little dents and stuff in this st- sort of thing. Also the other thing too, of just like, Oh, this game is obviously running in real time by the, by the looks of it. And it's just like, this looks like a game that's going to ship. It doesn't look like a game where right. they're going mm-hmm. to spend yeah. um, 16 months taking photographs of food. And it's just like, well, we got to delay it again <laughs> because we need um, a higher res- new cameras came out. And we need to take higher resolution pictures of this big stew or whatever. Right. It's like, no, this looks like they're making a video game. Yeah. And, and I mean, <clears throat> listen, I, it, 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 on my bingo card or my my fucking magic eight ball for Final Fantasy franchise, like I, I I don't have gritty Final Fantasy on it. Like I don't need that. That's not something I need. That I whatever. Sure. And, and in a way, this kind of struck me as that vibe. But um, but I agree. Like it it looks like it's ready to. It looks like it's it's like a game and. Mm-hmm instead of just a series of very highly constructed cutscenes and um things that I can't touch or feel and this this felt different to me and that that speaks to the fact that and and I think you'll probably talk about this Natalie but like uh Jason Schreier says it's been in development for a long time by this point interesting which um which to me looks accurate i mean they had like a lot to show it was a 4 minute trailer and a lot of it was gameplay, or if it wasn't gameplay, it looked like it was in-engine, not kind of pre-rendered CG stuff. Totally. So, you can see A-list thing on these people. Right, yeah. And yeah. I think that was that was both striking, especially in a... Um, a, 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 a an event that was showcasing the power of the PlayStation 5. Like, that was very funny to me, because, like, they started off with that um because i think they knew that they couldn't really keep it a secret anymore because everyone had basically broken the news but also like it was so funny to be like hey we're gonna show this game that like listen it looks good i i I don't want to i don't want to like mince i I don't want i don't want to act like this game doesn't look good but also like it it looks like it runs on this gen hardware to me totally yeah. And and that that's a compliment in the sense that yeah it could be ready to go and that's why it's running on two different pieces of hardware, um, and, and I don't know I think that's cool I think it was a bold choice to show that I think it's a bold choice to have the game look like this without that kind of glossy veneer, um, and uh, I don't know I'm excited I'm I, I'm very interested in in what I saw. And I, th- I think that um, circles back to uh, maybe the person behind it, uh, a certain producer that Natalie and I, you both, uh, you and I both um, have a certain respect for uh, having a <laughs> certain reputation for being a person who just like puts out a video game and doesn't sit yeah. on it. Yep. Now, Kiyoshida, the producer, the director of Final Fantasy XIV, and he is the producer on this game. Um, and I think he he is just so 
in tune with what people want to see because uh, there was a um, sort of like a Final Fantasy XIV live stream recently and Yoko Taro was on it and he found a cheeky way to make Yoshida talk about Final Fantasy XVI because that's what Yoko Taro does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Dude does not give a fuck. Yeah, he does really not. Funny. And Yoshida-san was like, yeah, like I knew that a lot of fans, especially American fans specifically, would look at a CG trailer and feel like it, it was a game that wasn't going to be sort of realized anytime soon. Right. right. So he specifically said that that was a deliberate choice to feature everything in engine, no CG, just like deliver a, a viewing of the product that people could reliably um, evaluate. And he did say that the graphics will be updated, which I figured because there was so much... There's so much controversy on Twitter over the graphics, but uh, I absolutely agree with John. I think Final Fantasy has been known for its technical prowess for so long. Like each entry has sort of Final Fantasy 13 was like the first HD Final Fantasy and Final Fantasy 15 was like this gorgeous looking spectacle that people had waited like a decade for and uh final fantasy 8 and 7 pushed the medium's uh, graphical you know capacity even like even now that we look back on them and we're like oh you know squall at the ballroom he looks kind of funny like his face like oh you're the most attractive guy here sure (laughs) your face is just pixels but back then that was incredible and so Final and that pre-rendered been, scene, mm-hmm. the, the actual ballroom dance scene that was originally a pre-rendered uh, tech demo for the PlayStation 1, uh, or no, 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 sorry, I think I got that backwards. They did a PlayStation 3 or a PlayStation 2 tech demo where they recreated the ballroom scene from, play, yeah. from Final Fantasy uh, 8 on new hardware right. to say like, hey, this is what this will look like going forward and stuff. Like, yeah, like John said, that they've, they've always kind of had like a reputation for that stuff, but also, you know, that is a question of priorities too. Like it, Mm -hmm. like I think there is an element to it of just like, if your priority is just like, we need to always be on the cutting edge of like making this stuff look good. Like, does that mean that your priority is not on making it play good or having an interesting story? And Final Fantasy 14 in in particular, which, um, you know, Yoshi P comes from is a game that has a really good uh, reputation for being just a very fun, polished game to play and experience, especially when you get into the later game content um, and having like a really beautiful story that a lot of people really love. Again, once you get past some of the early stuff and um, the idea that like, hey, if if this looks 20% less like uh, next gen, quote unquote, than previous games do. Like that, that's just an indicator, or or you know, it could be an indicator that just like our our interest and our focus is elsewhere. And it, you know, right. The signs seem to point to that being the case. With if you got Suzuki on this for the combat system and everything like that. Like honestly, I'm I'm way more interested. Yeah, absolutely. I I just think it's it's a bit of a risk, and it's such an interesting shift in at least what they're showing are their priorities um yeah because like i think i think it's very clear that they've learned from the last decade and all the messiness that it brought in terms of not just kingdom hearts 3 but final fantasy 7 remake final fantasy 15 just like 
games that were shown too early from when they were in their terms of development at that stage. Um, Games that we saw a lot of CG trailers of, but that it took a while to see gameplay. um, You know, just games that felt so far off and that I think... just i i think it's it's a risk but it's one that is worth taking for them and it shows that they've learned the lesson of let's not announce things too early let's just announce this when we have something substantial to show and a four minute trailer for a square enix like a a square enix title like the first trailer being four minutes of real like is in engine footage that is not something that really happens like uh, like if you told me this yeah. game was out in march i would believe you like i would you, yeah. believe it yeah yeah if, if yeah. they came out and said we're shooting for next year at some point i'd be like i i buy it and exactly. and that would be that'd be very cool um scuttlebutt is 2022 but that's you know whatever no one knows that yet um yeah i i also think it's really interesting i mean we, we alluded to a uh, naoki yoshida who uh you know, rescued final fantasy 14 from uh, the disaster that it was initially. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it's so interesting. And and I, and I think I represent the exact fan that, that like um, that square probably hopes to acquire over the next few years, which is someone who really dismissed final fantasy 14 as an MMO without a whole lot to offer. I just want my single player shit. Don't bother me with this MMO stuff. I know you say it has a good story, but I know you're lying. Like, I, like <laughs> that was you know, me. Like, like I was that person. Ago. I was that person for a very long time. Yep. And and simultaneously, I grew to mistrust the majority of leadership at that company sure. because they had just kept pumping. Well, not they weren't pumping out games. It's quite the opposite. They they just kept green lighting and announcing games that would be in this development hell forever. They and kept when they pumping money out, into projects right. rather than games themselves. Yeah. And when they came out, uh, frankly, to me, the, the 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 two previous projects I would lump that the that sentiment into were Final Fantasy 15 and Kingdom Hearts 3, for mm-hmm. me, are disappointing games. Yeah. Are, they're disappointing games. Disappointing games. Full stop. Yep. And yep. the fact that they handed this, you know, we don't know if it's going to have multiplayer elements yet. I, I'm going to guess it will to some extent. That but was the rumor, wasn't there? I feel like I remember, Natalie, you probably know more. Um, wasn't there some rumor about how they were like trying to like the 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 underperformance of or maybe not underperformance, but the reaction to Marvel's Avengers maybe made them kind of like say oh, yeah. we want like, to be more know. of a like squad based type thing or something like a live game. Yeah, that's something that is unconfirmed and that I've heard privately um, that there might be a multiplayer aspect um, right. to Final Fantasy 16 that has not been talked about and that I've heard will probably not be talked about right out the gate. Um, But I I have heard that it's part of the reason as to why Yoshida was brought on, um, just because he is so impeccable at at giving a really satisfying multiplayer experience. And I think Final Fantasy XV certainly laid the foundations for that to seep into the single player games just because Final Fantasy 15 had the whole comrades multiplayer yeah. mode. 
Um, we have not seen a party as of yet in Final Fantasy 16. So we've only seen, in the trailer that we saw, we only really saw the protagonist fighting on his own. Um, but that is something that I have been hearing about. Uh, yeah. And uh, 2022 is a long way away. So like, who knows, like that stuff could, things change all the time. Things get talked about all the time. Like who knows how that actually goes until anything gets actually announced. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, yeah. I th- and I think uh, I think the response to Marvel's Avengers and the multiplayer has definitely, and also Anthem, I think that those two have been very Anthem, instrumental in maybe shifting behind closed doors the conversations that are going on in terms of integrating single player with multiplayer and whatnot. So right. it remains to be seen what will come out of 16. Um, we will get a, uh, a website in October with character cool. and world information, but we'll be seeing it next all the way until 2021, yeah. which I think is is fine with me. Like, show me when you have something to show. Like, I, I linked in our chat the most iconic Final Fantasy 15 tweet aside from one that's just like a bunch of key smashing. <laughs> it, but it was it was posted on October 16, 2015. And it literally says, cool rock added. Our environment team is busy location hunting for a nice rocky area. Suggest a spot, hashtag Final Fantasy 15. And it's a picture of the developers taking pictures of real life rocks to then implement them <laughs> in Final Fantasy 15. And it's just incredible. Image. It's so good. Years later, that tweet went viral as a meme. It's like cool rock added. And it's like <laughs> that became the meme of Final Fantasy for the last few years. Like just cool rock added. That's all that we've got to show for now, later. And it's like, no, this like, took us six months and 500 man hours. Yeah. yeah. And it's fun. like, and, and that game, like John said, Final Fantasy 15 for a lot of people, including myself, ended up as a huge disappointment. So yeah. the fact that there is a clear public prioritization of different things besides technical prowess or like just showcasing the capacity again like how like john said like giving that sort of trailer during a conference meant to show the whole potential of the playstation 5 was such an interesting and risky move and it didn't come without controversy because people were so quick to be like oh the graphics look bad blah 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 but I mean, as I figured immediately after watching it, first of all, the graphics will be updated. Second of all, that's not really what matters to them most here. What matters to them most seems to be gaining, regaining that trust. Um, The one thing that I am cautious about going back to Naoki Yoshida is that... First of all, I hope he got sleep. Um, yeah. that, I don't know how that man... Like, I hope he sees his family. I hope he is healthy and as well. Um, Yoshida, I stand you. So, like, I hope you're doing okay. But secondly, um, I hope that this doesn't become a pattern. So Square Enix got Yoshida to salvage the disaster that was Final Fantasy XIV. Now it's the biggest MMO in the world, probably. Okay, so now we have... Yoshida being brought on to Final Fantasy 16 for the reasons that that was we're not quite sure we can only speculate again the whole multiplayer thing is just speculation and unconfirmed rumors from what I have been hearing behind closed doors um 
But I hope that, so this is the second time that that happens. I hope that Square Enix doesn't make it sort of a pattern for them to be like, uh, Yoshida, you need to make this game better. Just, just come on <laughs> on the next project. Just come on Final Fantasy 17. And so yeah. the man, first of all, the man <laughs> will never get a pulling break. him into everything. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's the like, bouncer too? Yeah, let's yeah. do it. Yeah. Let's get Naoki Yoshida on this Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I, and I think I don't have, it's not so much a worry, like a full-fledged worry as much as like a possible concern, just because I do think Final Fantasy Remake turned out pretty well. I did yeah, really like did it. Um, and I think the consensus mostly like agrees. It, it was yeah. it received really well. Um, but I just, I do hope it doesn't become a pattern in the future where Square Enix will look at a project that has been, Having a tumultuous sort of development cycle, as we've heard bits and pieces that Final Fantasy 16 was in a little bit of a development hell for a while, um, just because of all the other games that Screenix had to work on. And I can only imagine how that was, but I just hope it doesn't become a pattern where they're like, hey, Yoshida, okay, so <laughs> you, you saved 16. Now let's bring you on to 17 and then let's yeah. get you to 18. Like we, yeah. that trust in the leadership that you talked about, John, that has to be extended past just 100%. this assumption that Yoshida will make every single game that he touches great as a producer yeah. or as a director. That faith has to be extended to the other leaders in the company. Um, and it's yeah, one that I think has been sort of fading across time. Yeah, I mean, they, that, that, they need to learn lessons from their mistakes, not just associate the fixes with one person. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I think that actually ties back into something that you wrote about, Natalie, too, because like besides just, you know, I, I love um, the work that um, Naoki Yoshida has done on uh, previous Final Fantasy stuff. And to be clear, like, you know, he has been very good in the past about like making it clear anytime that he like talks about stuff that like, Hey, uh, this is done. Well, this work was done by this team on this project. And I asked them not to work <laughs> the, yeah. too much, not to overwork themselves in this way. And then yeah. they went out of their way to like make stuff that I told them, Hey, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll update it in a patch. And then they worked with, you know, without any uh, orders to do so. And he like, he's good at giving credit for that sort of stuff in that way. I feel like, or it has yes, been traditionally, is. Um, but also like, you know, in, beyond just like not overworking like an individual or individuals at the at the company, I think it's important that Square Enix also just kind of diversifies the people that they are allowing to have these big projects like you wrote in uh, about um, uh, your worries about Final Fantasy 16 and female protagonists. But I'm also like coming at it from the angle of that like, article went well, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it, it did numbers. I'll say that. One of the most popular uh, pieces. I stand, I stand by it. I, I think there were a lot of gamer bros angry, but um, totally. I, I said what I had to say. But, but, but what I mean, I guess, is like the. I think one of the ways that you you diversify like the actual games and like how you handle things like you know more female characters more queer characters more characters of color better characters and in, in all those camps in those games is yep. you also need to maybe like put some other kinds of people in like lead roles or whatever like natsuko ishikawa uh lead writer on Shadowbringers, um uh would be like you know an interesting person to see on a future final fantasy product right like uh yes. Like to just like I would be interested to see what she would have to do and stuff like that. And I don't think to this day we've ever had like a lead designer on a Final Fantasy game that was a woman. 
Probably not, right? Probably, I'm gonna guess not. Nope. No, I don't think. I can't think of any. No, I can't think of any either. Nope. And that nope. is absolutely true. Um, this, the piece that Stephen is referring to is a piece that goes over my just really grave disappointment with the way that Final Fantasy has handled its women characters over the last decade. And in the last decade, that means like like three games, two games. But nonetheless, yeah, I, I feel like it's it's a lesson that has to be learned and one that I feel really strongly about just because a, a friend of mine, when we were discussing this right after the 16 trailer launched, he was like, you know, I don't know if Final Fantasy is sort of the place to really get sort of like women empowerment and all that. And it's like, on, on one hand, it has always had its issues. But on the other hand, like at, at least for me, especially as a tween girl, like Final Fantasy was that formative series for me that got me into thinking about feminism, thinking about women's representation in video games, because there are so many wonderful characters in this series that are women, like Tara, Aerith, Tifa, um, and, and you know, that's not to say they don't have their issues with presentation. Like, for example, you can make the argument that Aerith died for Cloud's pain, his man pain, and like that's used to propel the story forward. And Tifa's presentation was really dubious. And Renoa from Final Fantasy VIII, some people argue that she's just a damsel in distress. And while I don't agree with that, I, I can see it. Um, there's the criticism that most women have been healers or magic users and that's a perfectly fair one and a valid one but I guess for me especially as someone who I played Final Fantasy 12 first but I think the Final Fantasy that even though it didn't click with me until I tried it a third time the Final Fantasy that got me thinking about being interested in this series was Final Fantasy 13. And that entire trilogy is led by its women. Like its mythos is led by women. Its cast is gender balanced, but the stories are very focused on the women. It, it's the first Final Fantasy in the series that has a set female protagonist since Terra in Final Fantasy VI is not officially technically the protagonist it's essentially everyone even though I, she I is. always think of her as that but yeah yeah probably. yeah she definitely yeah. is um but she's not quote-unquote in the most official terms but lightning is lightning was the official protagonist of final fantasy 13 and final fantasy 13 too had her sister sarah as a protagonist so we had multiple female protagonists in that one trilogy and i thought that was so bold and I I really hated how Final Fantasy 15 treated its women. I I don't think it's bad. I, I mean I, I just, like I'm Final baffled. Fantasy 15 and that's a bad element. Of that I am game. I am baffled by by people who think that the women in that game aren't treated horribly because they are and it feels just so feels like the antithesis of so much of what I came to expect from Final Fantasy as a whole as a series. It it's never been perfect, but it has been instrumental to not just mine, but the development of a lot of women in video games and like the way they see female representation in video games, just because Final Fantasy felt so ahead of the curve. I mean, Kingdom Hearts is still struggling oh, to yeah. give screen time to its main female character, like how many years later? Like, so 
Yeah, so I wrote about my disappointment and sort of my concerns with Final Fantasy 16 because we do see three women in the trailer, um, but we do see this overwhelming amount of men. Um, it it seems like it the is male a theme. very, very male heavy. Yes, yeah. and so that's that's something that I was hoping would not happen um, after Final Fantasy fifteen. I I hope it's just like the way that the trailer comes off because contrary to what Hajime Tabata, the director of Final Fantasy fifteen, said, in which he said that the party of Final Fantasy fifteen was kept as all male because having a woman in the mix would have disrupted. The bonds and the like sort of natural authentic chemistry between the men completely um, ridiculous such such a fucking sad thing to yeah like, yeah that's such a, a sad way to clown on yourself and just kind of tell on yourself about like your the own way dynamics that you see with the women dynamics. in your life yeah. it's like oh yeah I, I we definitely couldn't have a fun or interesting or authentic conversation if there was a woman here there's yeah. just no way it's like oh boy you can't Yep, you and so you shouldn't I be in charge of a fucking yeah. <laughs> narrative of something if that's that's kind of your deal. Yes, and so I hope that is not an issue here. I hope that even if there is a focus on all the men that we saw in the trailer, that that is not viewed as exclusionary or like exclusive from focus on the women and their stories. Um, I would really like to see Final Fantasy return to that. I think. Final Fantasy XIV tries, but it struggles. It's still very much centered on the men in the narrative. And I wrote about that as well in the piece, which I got a lot of hate for, because yeah. apparently Yastrola is not the mascot character of Final Fantasy XIV, even though Square Enix has said that she is. And, and she's literally in all of the crossover. Anytime that like they need to represent Final Fantasy XIV in any other game in a crossover, they always use her. Just today, they put out a tweet about how the, all of Final Fantasy 15, uh, 14 sorry, is uh, on discount, and the picture that they used was one of Yustola, but she's not the mascot character. And so, but she's constantly fridged in the story. Just absolutely, like, out of all the Scion members, she is the one with the least amount of screen time. So I focused on that as well as the treatment of other women in Final Fantasy 14's narrative, which... I think is relatively disappointing and lackluster compared to the men. And of course, I got like a gamer is really mad about that. But what's what's shocking, you know? Um, so I hope that Final Fantasy 16 avoids that. But I'm not. Uh, I'm not too optimistic. I'm I'm <laughs> concerned, and I'm not gonna. I'm not going to be pessimistic about it, but I'm also not. I, I don't think I have a reason to be optimistic. I think Final Fantasy VII Remake did really well with its characterization of Aerith and Tifa. But I also think those characterizations and the foundation for those characters were laid long ago when Final Fantasy didn't have an issue like it has somehow had in the last decade when it comes to writing women. Do you think it has um, anything to do with the advent of voice acting Yeah, and, and motion capture? Like, do you yeah. think that that has anything to do with it? Because like, I I am thinking about the same thing of like, okay, they they had a foundation with Final Fantasy VII to to draw from, and a lot of those conversations between Tifa and Cloud and Aerith and Cloud and then Tifa and Aerith kind of together 
were pretty natural, I would say. Like, they had kind of a natural chemistry and a natural uh, Mm -hmm. banter and cadence that I thought was um, much better than the previous few Final Fantasy games that that have come out. Um, But it's like, are we just having trouble writing original stories that women are either weighing in on on at an early phase? Because that could be some of it. Because mm-hmm. maybe yeah. these are just writers' rooms full of men. I don't know. Yeah. Um. But I don't know. It seems. It seems like since voice acting became such a necessary component, the the roles of women in these games have gotten either. Hmm. Like Final Fantasy Ten Two was obviously heavy, heavy, heavy. Um. You know, female focused, right? Yeah. And. Yeah. And I, I think that game was successful, but it was also ridiculed by its core fan base for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I agree about you know Final Fantasy Thirteen being better about this, but it was also not a well received game. So mm-hmm. like I, I wonder how much of this is like okay, well we tried some of this in the voice acting era. Um, maybe we just can't make a a game with a i don't know maybe we can't maybe they think that they're allergic to having a good game and also having uh good women representation in the same breath i don't know it's weird though yeah i I think it's less to do with voice acting because final fantasy 13 um but it definitely i definitely felt like 15 even though it was already in the conceptual stages and being made when final fantasy 13 came out (laughs) yep i felt like it was a reaction to the reaction of final fantasy 13 right um which again just goes to this grander issue of the self-fulfilling prophecy that the game industry just tends to have when it comes to games led by women like oh, let's not market it enough or uh, let's not really believe in it enough. Let's not do this. And, and it's all attributed to the fact that it was led by a woman and that there's a strong cast of female characters when it's like, no, like Final Fantasy thirteen, like a lot of the backlash that it received was because subconsciously, I think, I truly believe that a lot of the blowback was because it was so focused on women. But also, uh, there were understandable reasons why people didn't like it. Um, It was very different from what people were used to. The exposition at the beginning is a mess. Um, The battle system wasn't for everyone. Uh, But at the end of the day, people associate that with like, oh, the game that was led by women or that has like a lot of women in the cast. And so I I think Final Fantasy XV was sort of subconscious maybe response to that yeah and so i'm i'm glad that it's done with i mean one thing i will say just to circle back specifically to the voice acting thing is just like Mm -hmm. um the one thing that like voice acting can do is that and i think this ties back into the idea of like the fact that we haven't had a lot of women in um uh you know, executive roles at, at Square Enix and, and uh-huh. game development in general. Yeah. The one thing a voice acting can do is it can put like, oh, you know, a, <laughs> there's a woman who has a like a hand on the tiller for this, right? Like right. they are able to add levels of nuance and to, pr- you know, present a character, even if they say like a line that maybe doesn't work 
as written if they say Mm -hmm. it in a very particular way you can say a line you know that is is meant to evoke something according to the script but then you say it in a different way that evokes a level of sarcasm so it it completely reframes that entire scene or you you say it in a way that is sad instead of happy or you say it in a way that is whatever 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 you know like there's a lot of nuance that you can add that like you know I would assume you know not being a voice actor myself but I would assume like uh, if you care about those characters and you care about the performance that you're doing there are ways that you can kind of subtly nudge things in a better direction if you have a better handling on like well I know that this is a bad script because this is a like a female character written by like a dude who does not particularly respect women but I can nudge it in a certain way that right. makes this come across very differently than if it was just written in text you know yeah, yeah. and there's so many it's such a complicated thing there's also the whole like the fact that Japan has a very different culture from us like um, I know that the the PR, the head PR person for Final Fantasy XIV in Japan is a woman, but she doesn't, she's not very into just showing herself publicly. And a lot of women sort of fall into that sort of pattern of like not, like being in head roles, but not wanting to be in front of the camera or be in the center stage like so much. And I totally get that. And there's so many different cultural things here at play. But I do think that ultimately Final Fantasy XV was so below the bar that Final Fantasy had established as a whole for itself in terms of women in its video games that I really hope Final Fantasy XVI just kind of like it doesn't build on like where that was. It just kind of like ignores Final Fantasy XV and tries to at least do a bit better but I, I don't know if I'm communicating very well because it's such a loaded issue but I really I really hope my concerns are ultimately just going to be concerns um but I don't know and people I bet have also they won't pointed be. out I bet we're <laughs> going to be circling back on this and having issues uh when it happens but there's you know there's a hope that it will at least be better than it has been in the past sometimes like i don't think it'll be perfect mm-hmm. but i think uh there is an opportunity especially taking the hand <laughs> taking the direction we haven't really talked about like you know in in two super specific terms but tetsuya nomura in particular is a person who i don't think handles female characters in games very well and the idea no. of a mainline numbered final fantasy game being not in his hands necessarily is actually kind of exciting to me in that way so there's always room yeah. for it to be better yeah yeah, yeah absolutely and people have also pointed out that um of course final fantasy has lacked in sort of the amount of brown and black characters it showcases mm-hmm. and this is further sort of a um how to phrase it like a sort of affirms those worries just because this like john said in the beginning i believe this looks very witcher there was a one of the discourses that popped up following the release of this trailer was the tone some people were saying that this doesn't feel like final fantasy which i would strongly disagree with just because final fantasy has and i wrote about this in the foreword that i wrote in the final fantasy book um and i wrote a foreword on here <laughs> uh, but uh I, I wrote about how final fantasy has become undefinable yeah um it at this point it can be everything and anything and it will still manage to be final fantasy because what what does it mean to be a final fantasy it's achieved what so few series got to do um which is just 
be this huge assortment of different things that still somehow make up what Final Fantasy means. And so I, it's not that I see this as not feeling like Final Fantasy, but it definitely, it, after talking about it with a friend, it definitely is, I got the concerns. Like this feels very Tolkien. It feels very Witcher. Um, yeah. the, the setting is very pan-European. Um, we have had a game this series before that was relatively pan-European, which was Final Fantasy IX, but Final Fantasy IX felt more steeped into fantasy, with especially with the races that you had in the main cast. It was more mystical, it was more wacky, um, but this feels a lot more leaning into sort of... It's Game of Thrones, right? This is this yeah. is post Witcher, yeah. post Game of it's, Thrones, post yeah. that sort of thing. And I'm I'm curious to see how, especially in a post Witcher, post Game of Thrones TV show world, how this has affected the fantasy genre and how this has affected games that have already been tackling that genre in numerous ways, like Final Fantasy, and how this is becoming more like that shot of the soldier that gets impaled and the blood that splatters on the character named Joshua, who's a child. Yeah, like that nice. was very Game of Thrones. That uh -huh. is something we don't really see from Final Fantasy. Yeah. And I think it was shocking, not really in its score, but in that we don't come to expect this from Final Fantasy. And right now it's just a provisional rating, um, which means that it's what is probably expected, but they're still in the middle of deciding it. But as of right now, the provisional rating for Final Fantasy 16 is rated M for Mature, and that does not happen for Final Fantasy games. Yeah. Um, so people are making jokes like, oh, Final Fantasy has sex, no, what? So, so it's like, no, but I mean, there's definitely a more mature tone here, and one that seems to be correlated with a more Witcher, Game of Thrones, Tolkien style of fantasy, which yeah. Final Fantasy hasn't really explored that much before. No, um, I would say. No, they haven't. Definitely um, not. Yeah, I, I, yes, I, it, I, I would say just to to put a bow on it. Um, folks interested in kind of the vibe of this should probably look to a game called Vagrant Story more than yes. a lot of the other Final Fantasy oh, games yeah. in terms of just kind of like the the vibe it's going for in the because if Vagrant Story had been made today, it probably would have also been a, a rated M for mature kind of game. It, it it dealt with some pretty serious stuff, and I'm guessing the graphical depictions of those things would have also been pretty serious. So yeah, like yeah, if you're like actually in kind big, of big, big, juicy cheeks um, a, a in his thong that he wears in that just game. Just big, 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 <laughs> big butt. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I love the emphasis. Thank you, John. Yeah. No, you're welcome. Um, but yeah, did you say pan-European a few minutes ago? Yeah. Okay. Do you want to talk about cyberpunk? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yep. That was uh, my section for News Quest. So let's <laughs> hand it over to John with the absolutely not problematic uh, <laughs> Listen, game I, I, can, I can't believe that, that, that this is such a red flag for me when anyone says anything like this. So I can't believe I'm about, I'm about to do it. But I'm going to have a slightly nuanced conversation about the cyberpunk stuff because I, I have some thoughts, but, yeah. Uh, but, um, so in case folks didn't know yesterday, uh, CG project red sent a, uh, an email out to its employees saying, 
uh, it's time for mandatory crunch. And what that means is they that team has to work an additional workday every single week. Uh, so that's six workdays up until the release of uh, Cyberpunk 2077, which comes out on November 19th for current gen consoles and PC. Um, and yeah, uh, the, that extra day is paid. Uh, that is required by law over there in Poland. Um, I, I do think that is relevant to in, in a way, so I'll get to that in mm -hmm. a second. Um, and this morning, uh, yeah, obviously there was a lot of backlash because uh, CG Project Red had said on the record uh, a year ago that they were going to basically do whatever it took to avoid having to go through this. And um, they've gone back on that promise. And that's that's a pretty big deal, I would say, uh, yes. especially after they've delayed the game a few times in order to basically make uh, uh, as it as it seems to avoid this situation completely now uh one of the things that like has been pointed out a lot over the past few years is delaying a game doesn't necessarily circumvent or avoid these kind of labor issues and it doesn't that being said th this this choice was more or less framed as we've exhausted all of our other options which heavily implies to me that they were looking at either having to delay it again or to institute this mandatory crunch now a few things. I do not want this to be, be look at as as plain devil's advocate, but I just do want to point out some things here. Six weeks of doing this, like a delay that would maybe be a week or two. Okay, so like it is such a weird. It is kind of a strange thing to say. We're gonna basically work, you know, our asses off in a mandatory period for six weeks instead of just like moving the date here, here are a bunch of weird things about this one is that they seem to be really aiming for kind of that next gen window even though this is not a next gen game and it won't be for uh, months and months and months like we don't actually have a release date yet for the next gen version of cyberpunk Th that being said i mean i will say to to highlight that a little bit like you know it sounds like basically all playstation 4 and xbox one games will work on the new consoles they, so they will work on them yes and people will but, be looking for things to play on those yes but interestingly enough i mean the, the cyberpunk team has said that they have removed things from the game that they you know uh were fully expecting to do but did not have time to do them and so some people have speculated that like the next gen version might have some of these things mm. this is all to say that the the adam uh badowski who is the studio head he released a statement um in his email he you know he said he didn't want to do this and blah 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 yakety schmackety um and it, this morning he also posted an update basically said like yeah, everyone's basically on board with that. We we pay that extra day, and there's ten percent profit sharing. Um, so mm -hmm. I want to I want to get all this stuff on the table, and then we can kind of discuss it. the The deal that that the part of this that makes me mad when people come out and say, you know, delaying a game is really tough. These people have investors that they need to answer to, which is a response that we got a few times yesterday. Not as many times as Jason Schreier got. Jesus, yeah. can you can you imagine uh, not muting people on his Twitter account? Anyway, can I be? Uh, can I imagine being DMs as popular open. as Jason Schreier? No, John. No, I can't. Yeah, he has um, his DMs open. I'm just like Brett. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Bold. Um, so yeah, it's it's amazing. Uh, it, his, his reporting, you know, I I I've obviously had some issues with some of the stuff that he's done over the past few years, but like his reporting on this stuff is is great, and I'm glad that that he is doing this stuff. But uh, you know, we got a few responses. I saw a bunch at him yesterday that essentially said. You, you've got these investors and you got to, you know, they need the, the profit. They need the profit. And I, I want to point out that, like, financial analysts have uh, are, are looking at such an operating profit for CD Projekt Red over the next five years due to the release of this game. In addition to the fact that they own and operate GOG, which is a a games platform that is starting to pick up some steam in terms of, oh, wow, big pun intended there. It's starting to pick up some steam (laughs) in terms of getting exclusives on its store, like the Metal Gear Solid stuff that we just saw. Um, In addition to all the Witcher stuff that continues to be licensed and they get bits and pieces of that. They don't own that outright i believe but they also just monetize the hell out of that series like they've the teams that they've worked with uh on the witcher also work on the witcher netflix series things like that so like they earn a ton of money from a ton of different sources they are as close to an untouchable game studio as i can imagine in the games industry right now the idea that they have to get this game out by November 19th, otherwise the investors of this this company, which, by the way, is mostly the public of Poland because it's a publicly traded company on the Warsaw uh, Stock Exchange, um, that it's a preposterous fucking idea that they need to get this out on November 19th in order to believe in the future health of this company. Um, it is profoundly... Uh, uh, just uh, completely out of anyone's realm of expertise to start speculating about like why these people need this profit now. So that argument really fucking sucks. The other part of this that like, I think is, is really tough is that this team by most accounts is, has been working crunch anyway. Mm -hmm. And it's not mandatory. Okay. So, the really big problem with this is the insidiousness of having a team that works crunch hours. They still see that it's not enough. And so they loop in the remaining people that choose not to work those crunch hours. And that is, I think the thing that people have to focus on that is so bad because I think it's going to be very difficult in this industry. I don't think it's it's worth trying to change, but I think it's going to be very difficult in this industry to get the mostly white uh, men in this industry to stop working crunch voluntarily in order to get this stuff out for various reasons that I won't really speculate on. But it's like that is a, a pervasive problem is this kind of self-installed crunch idea that you have to work eight days a week essentially to get these games out and the fact that when they see that that doesn't work them extending that to the employees that don't choose to do that that is where the real problem comes in um and i feel like a lot of people are not really focusing on the fact that like crunch is terrible in the u.s crunch often involves this kind of like shaming and a kind of guilting people into doing unpaid work 
So the fact that they're being paid to do these extra days is is technically good, um, but it's a different thing than it would it, be over here for sure. It is a different thing for sure, and the profit sharing is interesting, even though they make no indication of how that is actually split between its employees. And there are also a thousand of them, so that's probably not a ton of money in the grand scheme of things. Also, they could they could do some accounting magic and say, well, the net income we got from this is only twenty bucks. And that's going to be split between a thousand people. They could do that. So a, a lot of those arguments don't really hold a lot of water for me. Um, I do think there is some nuance in the fact that it's paid and that like, you know, whatever. But but the 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 shift from saying, oh, we basically do self instituted crunch uh, anyway. Now it's just mandatory. That is putting so much bullshit on mm -hmm. other people in the company that have chosen to work a fucking normal job like they were hired to do. And, and it ties back to like the, <sighs> the question of like priorities on different things like that. Like they literally came out and made it promise like we are not going to crunch on this game. So they're what they're saying with this and in their responses to it, basically saying like, yeah, we have X, Y, Z responsibilities or whatever. It's just like, well, you've decided basically that your responsibilities that the UC are more important to like the profit motive and to uh, investors right. or whatever than your workers. And that is repeatedly it's, the, <laughs> that is the knell of, of <laughs> capitalism in general, but in the games industry in particular, it is always that who is what, who and what is the thing that must bear the burden of, you know, responsibility here. And it's always, right. always, 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 always the workers. It is always right. the, it is always <laughs> the laborers. Yep who right. end up having to to pay the dividends and all of this stuff. Yeah. And There's and I think mm -hmm. Oh, go ahead, Natalie, please. No, 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 you go first. Well, I was just going to say like it, and I think the um uh Oh, no. It's gone. It's gone. Oh, well. It's the <laughs> All right, I'll go first. Yeah, um, please. So what I was going to mention is that I've also seen which I do believe is the case, but I know mm -hmm. that you're smarter than me on this, both of well, you. I don't know. No. Um, I don't know. But just a delay also wouldn't fix this because no, it would just not. be more, it, it would just be an extension of this of awful crunch, and, and, crunch and, time. And like I said, but based on what they've said, they're crushing bugs, which like, by the way, this game looks like a fucking Fallout game. If it doesn't ship with a million fucking bugs, then it's it's you know what are you doing it's got to ship with some stuff this game is yeah. too big and interconnected and whatever i bet those wash everything. those quality development like those quality assurance testers are just working their asses off yeah. and there's no way that there's they no can way. account for no, everything no no no, no there, there's no way and and also what we're talking about right now is probably a patch we're probably yeah. not even talking about what it would ship with and We're talking about like something that'll land a week and a half to two weeks probably. after the fact. Like yeah. the Avengers, just, just we the have a that thousand the logistics patch. Work. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's also just how like CD Projekt Red games have worked in the past. Like CD Projekt Red, you know, for all their for all their many faults um, that just seem to get more and more uh, obvious every day, they have a good track record of supporting their games with free updates after the fact, like free quality of life, free UI updates, free, like, mm -hmm. you know, things like that down the line on the Witcher three and whatnot outside of like really good uh, expansion content and in the Witcher three as well. And yeah. you know, like that is stuff that they could continue to do down the, down the line anyway, and probably, and almost certainly will. And I hope they do because a lot of what I've seen for <laughs> cyberpunk we'll continue uh, to crunch on. 
yeah exactly the because it's like like so many developers talk about how like the moment that the game ships it's almost as if it was the beginning because they have to support it and then they have to create dlc and then they have to create more dlc and then maybe an expansion and it's like and then it's the next thing yeah and so when will the crunch end right sorry to interrupt steven no i was just uh all i was going to say is that like there there are ways to distribute this like this work over time like if there are things where they want to be like because this game by they have a very interesting and unique i would say um sort of business model in the sense that like the witcher 3 in particular i think set the precedent of like they don't need to charge for things like you know minor updates that like improve certain systems and whatnot because this game is going to sell much like The Witcher 3, is going to sell so many fucking copies that it basically (sighs) invalidates any argument that you make about, like, the amount of, you know, um, you know, what they need in terms of resources and whatnot over time. Yeah. Because, like, they they can, so if it is a matter of, like, well, we want to have this, like, little side quest over here, we, we, you know, there are things that you can cut along the way, could have been cut along the way with better business management, better scheduling management uh, um, that could have just been added down the pipe you know, six weeks after launch is a free update because the game is going to sell so many fucking copies that they have the capital to support that sort of system. And they have done it in the past. We know this. Well, of course. Yeah. And and, and they haven't. And th- this is the other thing that I think like people don't understand that I, I alluded to is that like they are still working with operating profit, meaning they are making more money without a AAA product that's on the shelf over the past three years, right. they're still working with an operating profit. That is incredibly rare to to just have a game company that is just like, just sitting on profit. They are basically a self-sustaining operation right now as it stands with a thousand employees, which is unbelievable. And I don't know what their pay scale is. I don't know. They could be woefully underpaid by by what would be good standards. I, I really don't know. I would love to know that. But like they're in an operating profit cycle right now. They, it's not like they need this game to come out on November 19th in order to fund the next stuff that they've got going. Like they are like I said, as untouchable of a video game development company as you can find. I mean, maybe not to the extent that like Valve is, which doesn't even have to make games anymore in order right. to be um, profitable, but but they are not that far from that. And, and I, I also wonder how loud this has gotten based on the fact that like they've had these clear snafus since the beginning of really cyberpunk's like public it's uh, fucking sideshow bob stepping on rakes and it's just like every single time they they talk about this game and show more of this game they just fucking like slap themselves in the face more in a way that like i was very excited when cyberpunk was first announced and even first shown but then just like every time they they talk about their own game they make it look worse right make it look worse i was so excited and then just Ah, good old times. That fucking gangs trailer from like a week and a half ago? Jesus. It was really bad. And and this company has its defenders and and a lot of them are are <laughs> they they fall into you know two camps, I feel like. They fall into the camp of people who uh, probably mean well and they just they 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 love the fact that this company really stands up for things like DRM rights and or and 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 stuff like that and um 
and and you know create great games and they just don't want to see that stuff go away and those people are sheltered babies and blah 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 it's fine and then there are the people that just refuse to to have a mirror held up to them about like their own kind of like views and ideas about how like work should be and how like you know stereotypes are and i i just like that that group that is always standing for this company is just like okay it's really exhausting and it's going to get worse. I mean, The Witcher, we didn't really deal with a whole lot of this. I remember there were representation conversations surrounding that game. I think they're very valid um, when that game came out. Yeah. Um, and they remain valid. But the the politics of that game were fine. There was no room for them to mess up. Right. Because it was like, it, it was a very polish game right centered specifically right. on a very specific demographic yes. very white version of fantasy that's that they was my main problem when i saw cyberpunk announced like i was like i don't think this studio and its leads because i don't want to erase any people of color that are among the workers and that are trying their best to have right. included whatever they could have or salvage whatever they could have um I don't think they're equipped to tell a story about this California setting with these all these different ethnic groups um, about cyberpunk, about capitalism, about yeah. all this. Like they were not equipped to tell, it. and every no, single not. showing of cyberpunk has only just shown me and other people they are not equipped to handle this kind of story, and so. People, I have gotten that question before and I got a tweet that kind of like popped off a little um, where a follower asked like, how do you reconcile loving Witcher 3 as much as you do? And, you know, the amount of vehement dislike that I have for this game already. And right. it's like, Witcher 3 didn't have room to mess up. It, it didn't really. It really didn't. It, it, the only room that it really had to mess up was with its white female characters and it did right. largely well by them right. but here it's like there is so much room for them to mess up and they have shown time and time again that they are so woefully unequipped to make use of that room and like to use that room to their benefit and, and uninterested in improving too because they've had yeah. from for for years they have years had now. people tell them this i yeah. Like, first of all, I, I saw the very first demo behind closed doors at E3. Oh, I don't know who else in that room um, wrote on their pamphlets because we had a feedback brochure after the end of the demo that we could write anything on. I wrote about how racist the Latino stereotypes were. I know people who are tied to this game and who have brought it up repeatedly time and time again to the executives, to people in charge. It, nothing has changed. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, so it's was, like, it's it's not that they don't know. They just, they're they just, just not care. listening. That right. that gang's trailer is such a perfect emblem of like their their uh, handling of this stuff and their, the double standard that they are continuing to have, which that gang's trailer shows off. Like, here's the Asian stereotypes. Here's the... They, um, they all carry katanas. Even though, even though they're like Chinese. They have Chinese, even though it's like, like letters Chinese on their coded thing. Yeah, yeah, My yeah. friend Sissy, they were like, oh, I'm seeing all the, all the controversy on this. Like, they're like... 
you know what would be funny if they had katanas and i i was just coming home from therapy <laughs> and so i was like you know i'm seeing the controversy on twitter but i haven't seen the trailer just yet i've seen screenshots but i haven't seen the trailer just yet because i first of all i'm not home second of all i don't want to do psychic damage to myself like that <laughs> but then i got home and i was like sissy hold on let me let me just investigate for you and i was like holy shit they have katanas they fucking have katanas. The Asian gang has katanas. And they were yeah. like, no. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it was so and, just like parody. Yeah. And then there's like, there's Except the, it's the, not. Yeah. Because a lot of people are saying like, oh, like, uh, it's, it's almost like a joke. I'm not going to treat it seriously. And it's like, but we can't do that because this game is taking itself seriously it, it yeah. very much is presenting this world seriously it's not doing this in like a cheeky sort of grand theft auto like haha or like saints row kind of thing and even then it would still be wrong you can do humor in other ways but it's like it's I, just i, 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 I can't say talk this, about this game. The, the, <laughs> I, I will say this game has leaned a little bit more into the marketing of something like borderlands or grand theft auto for me yeah, I, the, which which almost seems like they're hedging their bets about a little bit about like, oh, if we can like kind of frame these things as like, isn't this kind of like a like did we turn the volume up to 11 on this? They can maybe kind of get out of the scrutiny by saying like, well, this is just our kind of twisted vision. Like they, they can well, get, no, they can kind of wiggle out of it that way. I'm wondering they, sometimes they can't is the thing, because this is what I was trying yeah. to say a minute ago is like, they have the, the like Asian stereotype gang. They have the, um, uh, Latinas, uh, the Latinx stereotype gang. Um, <laughs> that is all like, you know, uh, say like all like, uh, talking about God and stuff like that. It's all like Catholic, um, Right, coded right. and whatnot and then they have like the like oh and here's our we're throwing the bone to like um you know militias and whatnot like you know american yeah, let's talk style. about that for a second there's an explicitly like and of course it's not just white people no it's, it's a melting diversified pot. it's very very clearly a yeah, melting pot it's, it's absolutely a nod to the magachides and it's like they have a specific rivalry with the valentinos which are the latinos uh-huh. gang and it's like <laughs> yeah I mean, it's like, like, I can't, I can't, Steven, I can't, did you I can't did you play it. Far Cry Five? I can't remember. I, yeah, I did. Okay, has that that has that disease? So yeah, it does the same thing. That's actually what I was. Yeah, that's what I was gonna kind of get towards. And despite all of this, going back to John's news quest, um, <laughs> I I also don't want to when it comes to talking about crunch in this industry, which is so so complicated in ways that I don't even feel fully equipped to say that I can truly responsibly talk about it to the extent that I that I wish I could on a podcast or in a single piece, let alone Twitter where there is no nuance. Um, yeah. But I also don't, I don't want to attack the workers or the work of the workers no, in an attempt so. to be like, gotcha at the executives yeah. because i saw a lot of that with the last of us too yeah. and that was something that really frustrated me in conversations about that game and its labor issues and that also really frustrated the developers that i talked with privately um because like they will admit like yeah like crunch like it's it's fucking tough and it's awful but like there is 
there's so much nuance to this issue and just using it's, this as a shorthand to shit on the work of the developers who are the ones that you're supposed to be fighting for right. and like using this to sort of be like aha gotcha the executives that's also i think a problem that we have with the discourses and the conversations that we have about crunch we have to yeah. be more conscious about the people who we're fighting for the people who are fighting to protect and advocate for because yeah. shitting on their work and and that's obviously not the same as criticism criticism no, is no, valid no, no, no. but like shitting on their work and just being like the effort i mean yeah whatever. it's like right. oh you know like like there's so much sniping that i see on social media that feels unnecessary and then it's like is this really serving the people that you're trying to protect? Right. Um, Kenneth has written on this um, with his piece on the news, and I think it's it's great. And yeah, it's just it's a really complicated um, discussion. But I always want to, and I know that I can mess up, but I am trying to be conscious of that, of just trying to really make sure that I have the right priorities in mind when discussing such an incredibly loaded and complicated topic. Yeah, um, to to kind of tie it up, I think uh, you know Stephen alluded to this about kind of like the profit model of just kind of like always kind of be gunning for this and investors looking for X, Y, and Z. Um, yeah, like we need unions, we need stuff to to get better in the games industry. We also need to start thinking about um, the health of a company in ways that are not profit, right? And I think mm -hmm. like. The profit is going to be there if if this game comes out. Like it's just going to be there. Um, when investors, if investors aren't worried about the retention and the health and the happiness of their employees, then they're not worth shit. Mm -hmm. To be honest, so you know, I I know that like that's easy to say, but I also think it's like pretty imperative to start talking about. Um, you know, as a counterpoint to people who uh, get really hung up on like company rights, like the truth is these companies are made up and only operate on the backs of the people that that are working. And yes. so if those people are not happy or uh, healthy or safe, um, then then it's 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 meaningless it, to, to be honest. And, yeah. and I think like as good as a lot of games have been over the past few years, when they are a product of crunch, and I know that it, the, the, the meal doesn't taste as good to me. It just doesn't. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I know a lot of people don't feel that way, but I, I definitely do. Um, kind of soured me on red dead, even though that game is bad anyway. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but like, I, you know, there, there are just a lot of games like that, that I would, I would kind of lump into this of like, okay, I've heard so much about the crunch. I've heard about how poorly it was communicated and implemented and, and how, you know, um, tired everyone is. It makes the game feel not as fun to me anyway. Steven, I really, please, I really want to hear about Sir Renegades. I really do. I'm very Something curious about more it. chill. Uh, Star Renegades is not chill at all. Uh, it is a Ooh. tremendously, tremendously complicated um, roguelike RPG that uh, I put a bunch of time into over the weekend. I will probably um, be talking about that on another podcast as a guest Ooh. on that very, re very soon. But just um, as oh, we're yeah, wrapping up exciting. new stuff, 
as far as I remember from your article, you said that it is fun but reads like Twitter. <laughs> yeah, the the story, the tone, it's actually kind of an interesting thing because this is also um, the same. I think we're having this conversation in various ways around various different games because it has been a big year for roguelikes. Um, and it has also been the season of Hades. Uh, if you've been listening to Fan With uh, or Fan by Podcast in general lately, this is uh, Hades month at fanbyte.com. Ayo. <laughs> and yeah. uh, we, we've just been talking about that game a lot. And I think that game has sucked a lot of the oxygen out of the room when it comes to other roguelikes. And it's interesting to me because I think the last time a roguelike hit the way that Hades did, it mm-hmm. also had the same problem, which is like Dead Cells. <laughs> as we're talking about workers' rights, uh, the game from a company that uh, started as a co-op and then when Dead Cells became a success, several <laughs> of the people there were like, what if instead of a co-op, we made more money? And Is that um, true? I didn't know that about Oh, them. did you not know about that? Yeah. No. I didn't know that there's an article on vice about this. Uh, So co-ops are a much more common thing in France where that game was made. And um, yeah, when, when dead cells um, blew up, uh, several like the 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 company basically split into two the co-op split into two where it was like half the people wanted to stay and like not be a co-op anymore they wanted to be like a um more traditional um you know uh, uh more stratified profit company where people at the top make more money than people at the bottom and then a bunch of the other people left to go start a new studio and then the new studio that now runs um dead cells instead of called motion twin uh, i believe was what it, the co-op was called it is now called evil empire um it's the name of the the company that spun out of the co-op uh, yep. come on it's a real bummer john uh this was about a year or two ago i think there's a there's a really really good piece by patrick klepek over on uh waypoints or vice games if you want to call it that it's still waypoint to me um called uh if I'm, I'm trying to remember the name of the actual headline but it's like the future of dead cells is ditching co-ops for capitalism or something like that i believe is the name of the article let me see. Oh my gosh. Um, but all that is to say that Dead Cells, I think, is a game that um, when it really blew up was really, really, really tight, really good feeling and whatnot, but had like, I thought, a really lame uh, style, not, not visually necessarily, but like the the tone of that game, the story of that game were super, super lame. Um, and I think Star yeah. Renegades falls into an extremely similar camp uh, in that same vein. Uh, which is my whole like joke about uh, the the headline that I wrote, where it's like, yeah, it reads like Twitter. The story, uh, the the characters, the setting, and all that stuff. It like looks amazing. Like visually, this game has this incredibly striking like Octopath Traveler, but sci-fi sort of like um, yeah. tilt shifted look. But then everybody in the game talks, and they're all like, "What if Guardians of the Galaxy?" but bad what if we made a worse guardians of the galaxy um oh, where it was just like diablo a shitty everything's a one letter star renegades incredible what's that uh, what's that i said diablo cody's star renegades yeah totally it's it's that kind of like everything is a one-liner everything is a goof yeah. like uh yeah. all the societies all the alien societies that they like lean into or whatever is just it's all just an excuse to make jokes uh and i really don't like that but um, I do like the style of gameplay that it is a good deal, which is this kind of deterministic uh, combat, which is to say in a very in a somewhat into the breach like fashion, you always know exactly what moves will execute in what order and how to work around that sort of stuff. Um, so it like feels really good in that way to play. Uh, but it's also a very, 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 very complicated, very messy game. 
And the developers have announced that there is a there. Well, they have shown off their roadmap for post launch content, uh, which will include uh, new heroes, new enemies. There's like a nemesis system in Star Renegades, and they're going to be leaning into that a little bit more. Um, A bunch of different stuff. But the one thing I thought was very telling is that uh, they have three updates listed on this roadmap. And two of those updates mention UI fixes and quality of life enhancements because that game is, like I said, is incredibly complicated and incredibly messy and um, like bloated in some ways. Even runs yeah. in this game for a rogue like take way too long, for instance. Um, and I think it's funny that like both for their fall 2020 and winter 2020 updates, they mentioned quality of life and UI fixes as big um, factors that they want to lean into because that game sorely needs it. And I think it would go a long way towards improving it too, for that matter. But yeah, when I've when I've seen streams of this game, Stephen, or, or just like videos of it, I uh, I hmm. hmm. We could we could talk way too long about this, so I probably shouldn't get that deep into it. The the tilt shifted kind of um, look of this game, like Octopath Traveler, for some reason, between the time that it that it reaches that it goes from the screen to my eyes, it becomes a visually indecipherable language to me. Mm. I I don't know why, but but that in addition to the the UI UX I'm seeing is fucking incomprehensible it gets like, it gets to be a it, lot to handle john <laughs> it just looks really wild and like they seem to be doing some things in a different way in terms of like just kind of showing how things are targeted and like turns that are being taken in order in a way that like it seems like they just tried to do it in a different way to be different and not use the conventional way which would have been way 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 more like legible visually but yeah. instead they, they didn't do that so i guess it's good that they're fixing that stuff That's yeah I, I hope so because that i think the combat is genuinely one of the most interesting systems i've cool. played in in a game in a long time certainly a turn-based game yeah um but yeah there's like if you look at the t- if you see those screenshots you can see the timeline up above the thing and it's like okay everything is split into 10 second increments and yeah. uh over a, the course of a 60 second bar and the idea is that you are constantly if you attack a person before they get to before they attack on that timeline you push them back on the timeline and if you push them all the way off the timeline they just get stunned they just don't get to act for that turn um and so the game is like a lot of managing that sort of stuff and like trying to be like to create these perfect turns but the problem is that like if you look at the timeline it's just it's split into these 10 second increments but it doesn't actually tell you exactly where it is on the bar so it's like is that are they at like 55.5 seconds? Are they at like 12.5? I don't, I can't actually tell if, whereas if they just had numbers to indicate what, what section everybody was on at a good time, you would know immediately. You know, numbers good. Like numbers, Numbers a thing that kind of indicate, you know, um, what's going on. So now, but I'll be talking about that a lot more on something else. uh, Hopefully this week. The other That's thing exciting. I wanted to briefly mention is that the monster, uh, the game that we talked about last week, Monster Hunter World, is getting a oh, small game. What's that? A little small game. Oh, just a little baby game that saved Capcom game. from getting bought out by Microsoft. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. well, God, we didn't even talk about Microsoft buying Bethesda. Oh uh, yeah, God. I know. I it, oh. I thought about it. There there aren't enough like. <laughs> 
The only thing I'll say about that, unbelievably briefly before you get back to your point, is it is so funny that Obsidian debuted that trailer for a game that everyone is like, oh, it's basically fucking Elder Scrolls. But now Xbox has one. That's cool. And then they were like, Uh oh, we bought Bethesda. It's like, oh, okay. Yep, they sure did. (laughs) I guess Obsidian's (laughs) just going to go fuck itself. Uh, Neat. Anyway, yeah. But yeah, um, so Monster Hunter World. The part of that was like one of the one of the rumors for a long time. You know, in the sense that like everybody is always talking about buying everybody in in business. Period. Uh, one of the long rumors was that Capcom might have gotten purchased by Microsoft because Microsoft was looking for a Japanese studio at some time. Um, but then Monster Hunter World sold. 20 million copies or whatever and like single-handedly save that company from a purchase um so yeah big game getting its final update uh tomorrow in fact later later tomorrow night um i believe based on when people are hearing this it'll still be tomorrow final stand yeah the final stand update update title update five for iceborne which will (laughs) To be clear, um, that's final title update. There will probably still that so probably no new areas, no new monsters, but there will probably still be new event quests, new seasonal events, new like modified versions of existing monsters. Like they do these things called Arch Tempered. In fact, this update will include Arch Tempered Volcana. Uh, and you can I linked a uh, video to the the trailer for this in the notes here, but you can see the armor for all of these. Basically, it's a super powered version of an existing monster that gives uh, slightly modified gear. Um, they're also doing the, the kind of the bigger new news that just got announced earlier this week is that um, Monster Hunter, uh, at least in a world, I don't know if they did it in previous games, um, they had a deal with Universal Studios Japan oh, where wow. mm. you would have to go physically to Universal Studios Japan to get a code to get an, a quest in Monster Hunter that would give you special Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. And uh, as it turns out, nobody's going to Universal Studios Japan right uh, now or any other there, theme park. Is there some is there stuff going on? There's <laughs> something going on. I, something I don't know. On? I haven't I don't read the news. I, I'm just okay. the debate, too. So it's like, whatever. Yeah. Um, so what they've done is they've decided to just make this uh, freely available to everyone all across the world. Uh, oh, so cool. you can get this dope ass armor. Uh, the, the USJ. Uh, previously, they had one that was like USJ Blazing Stars. And now the new one is the Azure age uh set in the azure era set i believe oh, um wow. and it looks cool it's got this like you can get um kabuki gear for your uh cat so he's got like this big long wig and like a fan that he attacks enemies with there's a cool bow there's a cool sword yeah just interesting stuff um curious to see how deeply months i've reached out to capcom to ask but i haven't heard back uh with full answers yet i've kind of kind of curious to see where monster hunter world goes after this final update but uh like how much more they're going to be supporting with those smaller events and whatnot uh if that'll be a thing at all but yeah just figured i'd end things off on a lighter note there for this episode i appreciate that i really appreciate that i was kind of looking at our notes and i'm like i think steven's gonna save us i think steven's gonna save us from this bit so it's just you know the way of the world that's how it always goes i'm always swooping in to kind of pull everybody out of the fire every day of my life i i believe that it's true you certainly pull me out of a lot of fires all the time shame we love steven here 
Y'all have both yeah, pulled me out of way more bad situations than I've ever we, helped anybody we, with. But, you know, that's just that's out. working here. This is how we do. This yeah. We do around that's here. just how we do. And there's so much more RPG news that we didn't get to, obviously, like Microsoft buying Bethesda. <laughs> yeah. There was also... I can't believe we didn't even have that in our notes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I, it's just so... I guess I felt like if there were any... If the, if any news had actually happened around that, like, you know, Starfield's coming out in the next, I don't know, 15 years, because I'm not sure it will, uh, we could have talked about it. But yeah, sure, it sure. Is we, yeah. It is True. funny that we didn't even mention it. There's that. There's um, Baldur's Gate 3 was supposed oh, to yeah. be out today. Yeah, you're early supposed access, to be playing it right now. Yeah. Right now, I could have been ignoring Stephen and John and <laughs> yeah, trying to see if I could kiss Raphael, the devil that wants to steal my soul. Uh, but it was delayed for a week, uh, just so that they're doing the you know finishing touches on that. Uh, so there was that. There's so much more news that we could have gone into, but these were the three that we thought. Uh, were the most interesting for the month. Um, so thank you for listening to our picks and listening to our discussions. Uh, and thank you to the both of you for uh, being here, especially Steven, since I know that your cats are currently about to go feral. You're in full yeah. revolt. I've, I haven't gotten up because I trust him enough to not kill himself right now. But Ramba has oh jumped back gosh. up onto the railing outside my balcony right now in protest of the fact that I haven't fed them, that I'm 25 minutes late feeding them. <laughs> Yeah, so I just shared Steven, that picture in our chat. So where can people find you on social media? You can find me at, at Steven Strum on Twitter. You can find me on fanbyte.com as well. Uh, bye. Bye. <laughs> John. All right, bye. Uh, John, where can people find you? <laughs> you can find oh, me at Floppy Adult on Twitter. I just need for the for the audience at home, I do need you to know that uh, Steven's cat. I believe is fine. I believe is fine. I think this is a thing that commonly happens. But the cat is, if you if you've ever owned a cat, um, <laughs> if you've ever owned a cat, then you'll know what I mean. But cats are the only animals on Earth. I feel like that can that can put all four of their paws in one square inch, <laughs> and this yeah. cat is doing that on this railing, um, and it's this uh, high it's balcony. Both, it's harrowing and hilarious. So, uh, yeah, Stephen dipped to go take care of that. Uh, thank you, Stephen. Yeah, you can find me at Floppy Adult on Twitter. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at Hardymesia. That's R-I-M-E-C-I-A. You can find our wonderful podcast producer, Jordan Mallory. Thank you so much, as always. Uh, you can find him at Jordan underscore Mallory on Twitter.com. Is that right, Jordan? Just Yeah, that's right cool awesome all right and uh well it seems that um we're a bit parched <laughs> and steven's not here to <laughs> serve the drinks yeah it seems so like it seems you're, it we've seems had like you're to, really gonna have to carry some weight on this one all right natalie yeah we've, we've had to climb over the counter get our jugs and <laughs> do this without Steven's enthusiastic drinking. So let's let's just have a cheers to, to Steven's cats. Steven's cats. All right. All right. Clink. Clink.
Thank you.